what Casey's going to read is very similar out of uh, the letter to the Colossians. And the point is that, we, gosh, we need to just make sure that we understand that we do have a role <coughs> in community, that we even have a role as Christians in the Pacific Northwest, a place that can be very challenging. And so we're going to discuss that. We're going to talk about that over the next number of weeks. And, but to prepare for that, hear these words. The reading is from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you, all must, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Creator through Him. Holy wisdom, holy word. So I have to ask as I begin, um, well, before just getting there, it was, it was a number of weeks ago, I think it was three or four weeks ago on each Sunday, uh, in the Pacific Northwest section of the Seattle Times, uh, the first article was written by Ron Judd, and it was about what it means to be a native uh, Washingtonian, a native of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he was not overly kind to newcomers in that. So I want to ask, how many natives do we have? Here, born here, raised here, continue to live here. Get the hands up. Okay, I want you to look around. There they are. <laughs> now, Fred Moody, the next week, also in the Seattle Times, was a had a response to uh, Ron Judd's article about the importance of the newcomers, the non-natives. And so anyone who was not born here... Um, and would consider themselves a native. Would you raise your hands? Natives, I just want you to look around. <clears throat> there they are. Here's what some of what each one of them said as we begin to look at the social topography of this place that we live. And the screens are going to be down today because we're going to just scroll through a number of pictures that are some of the amazing things about living in the Pacific Northwest. And so just... Be patient with those, but tonight, today the screens are going to be down. Here's what Ron Judd said about natives. Natives bring a deep appreciation for the rain. We can just stop there. But he goes on. Uh, a deep appreciation for the rain, the beauty, the mountains, and the idiosyncrasies that make life in this place a prime place to grow up and stay. 
Fred Moody comes back with newcomers bring passion, optimism, creativity, and diversity. So, whether native or newcomer, there are some things about living in the Pacific Northwest that really do, in fact, set us apart from almost anywhere else in the country. Again, I want to begin this series on what it means to be Christian or being Christian in the Pacific Northwest. Part of the reason for that is is to go back to both Jesus and Paul and, and to look at the fact that each one of them were scholars when it came to studying their own kind of social topography. Jesus knew exactly who those people were. No matter where on whatever spectrum you want to place, no matter where they were, he knew exactly what he was dealing with and was able to teach in a way and heal in a way that responded and even correct in a way that responded to what was going on in that time. Paul did something very similar. Began to look at the social topography of of a wider place throughout kind of the whole of the Roman Empire and began to look at things that were needed and began to respond to and build and teach in ways that recognized the diversity and wrote things like some of what you heard this morning. The same can be said for us. We live in a place filled with idiosyncrasies. And it was so funny, and I'll come back to this in a second, that we had two or three new families in first service this morning, and and one young man came up and, and took a picture of the word idiosyncrasies in my notes because he's going to get extra credit for it at school. <laughs> I'm just very proud of that. I just, I just want you to know. Um, but look at some of the things that, that set us apart. And I'm going to stick a little closer to my notes today. This is where Boeing was born, what is now the largest airplane manufacturer in the world. We have a space needle that continually reminds us of the past and of the future. Now, we have water. Lord, do we have water. I kept going back and looking at the fact that it was, it's like the, the biblical narrative of Noah. We have water from above. We have water from below, and we have water everywhere in between. Dorothy and I drove to the cabin um, the other day on Friday, and, and I'll tell you, the Skokomish River... I have never seen how drastic the flooding was. It was incredible to see the flooding. Talk about water everywhere. But we have water all around us. As a matter of fact, water is so defining for us and each element of the water that even our sports teams are named for things having to do with water. We have, okay, there's one. We have the Seattle storm. We have... Somebody just lost the Super Bowl. I dare not mention their name. Now, we have Seahawks, we have Sounders, and even the fact that we have a a hockey team called the Thunderbirds relates much in Native American lore and history to the Thunderbird and what was happening in the water. We even have orca cards. I mean, think about it. We have orca cards. We have flying fish, but not the kind that they have in other parts of the country. Our flying fish come from a market, and they sail through the air tossed by someone. But we have fish catching as well, and some of the fish catching is different than any other place on the planet. But we also have catching fish. We have fly fishing, some of the most beautiful fly fishing areas in the world. 
We have deep sea fishing, and if you saw the times this morning, you saw the halibut that was caught and this fairly large man spreading his arms over and each side of the halibut were beyond his arm length. I think it was a 165-pound fish. We have salt water. We have fresh water. And we have all kinds of water in between. We have more lanes specifically for bicycles than almost anywhere in the country. I think we're only exceeded, the only place that exceeds us is Portland. We have coffee. We have Starbucks and Tully's and some of the newcomers and a whole lot of other folks that sell coffee. We have some of the most creative leading edge companies in the world, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, to name but a few. We have some of the leading school districts in the nation. And being the father of a senior in high school, all the pressure that goes with school districts that lead the nation. And there is enormous pressure. We have some of the most creative places to work. And I I was astounded at this place. I'd never heard of it until reading this article. And this was the second article. It's called 220 and Change. And 220 and Change is just off of Pike Place Market. It's a building. And the building houses some of the most phenomenal kind of thinkers, entrepreneurs. It's just incredible, the energy that is in this place. And they all share office space. Not only do they share office place, they share administrative tasks. They share ideas with each other. They share copy machines. They share everything. And when you walk into the building, there is a huge, I mean, huge bulletin board filled with all their pictures, their names, and the company. And and it is one of the most creative places in the nation. It's a city within a city. I love this statement. Recent study says, we live in a place now where most come not to get rich, but to pursue meaningful careers. They don't come here to get rich. They come to pursue meaningful careers. I mean, how unusual is that? We wear jeans. We wear Burks and socks. We wear facial hair in all manner of kickback clothing. We look very natural in our hats, in our shorts, even in the winter. Our khakis, our jeans, our boots, our Converse, our running shoes, or even our docks or our flip-flops. And anyone who's been here for any length of time knows that a bumper shoot is more than a festival. Final thing on this list is, I remember growing up, the singular two largest breweries, right? Rainier and Olympia. And they seem to have now imploded and then exploded out again. And what happened in the midst of that is are are literally thousands of brew pubs which have become gathering places for our urban and suburban dwellers. It's an amazing thing. It's a place of massive community. But in the midst of it all, and again, let me just preface this by saying, what I'm going to share with you comes out of multiple articles articles and um, some research and a couple commercials in the midst of it all is an attitude smiling and seemingly friendly on the outside until you try and change lanes on the freeway during rush hour we now have the fourth what was that easy Alan (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll greet you warmly and then let you know that we don't really care what you think of us or about anything we have to say. We love winners, particularly in our sports, and we'll yell our lungs out when we have one, but we don't really support losers, and most of us won't attend the games of any who lose, even if the tickets are cheap. We love our mountain, even though it stays hidden most of the time. And oh, underneath it all, we really do appreciate the rain, at least most of the time. And as we grow, here's, here's a kicker, friends. As we grow and our populations shift and change, we want our newer, gentrified condos near some body of water, even if it potentially means displacing those who have lived there most of their lives and displacing those who can no longer afford to live in the neighborhood of their childhood. And here's the tragedy of all that. Most of us don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about that. And those populations are now moving. Those kind of displaced populations are moving south, and I don't mean Arizona. I mean to South King County and places like Federal Way and some parts of Kent and Auburn. From what was comfortable to what is now becoming more dangerous. Another interesting fact that I found, we're not sure we trust the truly wealthy, especially on an island just west of us. <laughs> but they do some amazing things through the area, so maybe they're not so bad. All in all, we love the beauty, love the green, love the water, love the mountains, and we'll spend as much time as possible out in all of it, sun or no sun. And maybe with that in mind, maybe most importantly, one of the things that defines this region more than almost any other region in the country is that there is a massively growing population, and it is massively growing. Two new families were in church this morning that self-identified with this phrase because of the sermon. Spiritual but not religious. Spiritual but not religious. A couple years ago, I talked about that in Diana Butler Bass's book. This is a growing trend, and many of us in churches seem to not be able to try, quite grasp what that means. But if you go on the Internet and you write in Google, spiritual but not religious, you will be astounded at the articles that will come up. The Internet is filled with this, and this is what I've learned in the spiritual but not religious movement. The spiritual but not religious movement, particularly here in the Northwest, isn't some scattered situation. It's an intentional focus for folks. We are filled and surrounded by people who are literally trying to search for meaning and do believe, in fact, in a power greater than themselves. And they are continually not only questioning, they are continually searching. For them, And the word quest comes up a lot. It's a quest to find that depth of spirituality. And it's impressive where they look. And it's impressive how they are searching. It's impressive. Second to that, in the midst of what is now cutely called the SBNRs, the SBNRs, spiritual but not, but not religious, is that the other element that they're looking for is that they don't want to search alone. They continually look for places of community, and those places of community are incredibly wide and diverse. 
from brew pubs to whiskey tasters to other places where they gather, even at the library, as they study certain books that will help them. Part of the desperation that they have in the midst of that community are many of them are young families. And again, both of the couples that were at first service were young families. One had two children, one had three. They want to find places, they want to find communities where their children beyond school can get to know other children, other families who are sharing the same search for meaning. They seek to live incredibly ethical lives. And they want their children to learn what that means in the midst of a safe community. SBNRs. It's not the negative that we thought it might be. And we need to get around that and get over that. But what it does for us is it creates some enormous possibilities. Because here's the other side of that coin. What they're not looking for is significant religious dogma. They don't want anyone telling them what they have to believe. And they certainly don't want the threats that have all too often gone with that. If you believe this, then you're going to hell. They don't want to have to worship in a certain way. They don't want to have to come and sit for an hour as some person stands before them and tells them what they are supposed to believe. Did I mention? They're explorers. They're adventurers. They're searchers. They're on a quest. And part of what makes them special is that they're taking that quest on and looking at all manner of possibilities. The Church of the Pacific Northwest needs to come to terms with this. What if, again, we became a place where we allow for and encourage that kind of searching? I don't think it means that what we need are more programs. That may be a secondary piece, but what I think we need to be able to do is figure out who we are in the midst of this personally, and I'm not talking about necessarily us as a church. Because what's needed is then we can go and engage in some of these conversations, and what happens is what, what it says in the Old Testament is we sharpen each other like steel on steel. We pick things up, but they hear about a, a version of Christianity that may not be what they've heard before, of an, a more open a more accepting, a more engaging, a safe place to explore. It's an interesting time that we're living in, and particularly in the Pacific Northwest. Friends, the beauty of this place, and by that I mean Aldersgate, is it's not a stretch for us. We're already living this out in some phenomenal ways. We're already advancing some of that discussion. All you have to do is take out that orange sheet and look at it again and what the outreach committee is, is offering. But we have more to do, and I'm excited about exploring all kinds of things, all kinds of things about God in the Pacific Northwest and Jesus in the Pacific Northwest, discipleship and all kinds of things in the Pacific Northwest. But there is a picture 
that I think describes our approach best. And I close with this thought. It's this one. And what I wish we could do is expand it down so that you saw the whole of Jesus, right? But what we need to do is replace the robe with like an REI flannel <laughs> with a t-shirt showing. We replace the bottom of the robe with, with hiking pants or jeans or rumpled khakis. We replace the sandals with Birkenstocks and socks. And suddenly, a certain commercial comes to mind by Pemco. <laughs> Jesus. He's one of us. A little different. And that's exactly what we are. For this greater community, we can be Christ and be a little different in the midst of it all. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.